Hello, everyone out there. It's good to be with you again, and uh, welcome to the podcast. If you're new, uh, we welcome you. If you're returning for another week, then we're going to continue right along with what I've been preaching about this whole season. And it's just really to keep trusting God, to not rely on ourselves, not rely on your senses. And ultimately, as I led into last week, that Peter uh, relied on the Word of God in Acts chapter 2. And I know I'm getting right into this, but just let's get going here. And in Acts chapter 2, we see that Peter relies on the Word of God. Uh, He is filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room, he had waited on the Lord, had trusted in the Lord. He had been swinging a natural human sword just a little uh, a while ago and, uh, and cut off a man's ear and Jesus had to heal him. And they tried to, uh, Peter and the other disciples tried to figure out what Jesus was up to. And they had uh, the opportunity to try to Uh, help Jesus do what Jesus was doing on the earth in the natural. But Jesus wasn't doing something in the natural. Jesus was doing something in the supernatural that they did not understand. And so Peter gets that revelation. He's filled with the Holy Spirit as Jesus was and now comes down out of that place of preparation and being built up by God, that place that we must be in, the place that we must Get into church. If you're out there listening and you've been wavering, you've been wandering, or you haven't been seeking the Lord with seriousness and tenacity in this time, I'm encouraging you today to make a point to get into His presence, to seek His face. The time is now. The Word of God says, seek Him or seek me. Well, I may be found, he says of himself. Seek him. Well, he can be found. The time is now. And so Peter comes down out of that upper room, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Word of God, and he swings a different sword. It's called the sword of the Spirit. And we read of it in in, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 4. And that sword of the Word of God is so powerful that it cuts deeper than the natural hearing of the ear, and it cuts straight to the heart and dealt with man's hearts, and they were changed, and 3,000 souls were saved. Church, we need to get to the place, and I'm preaching right away. Uh, We're right into this. Uh, So uh, this is the place that we need to get to with God, the place where God... Uh, and man uh, are one, where the Spirit of God, that was who Jesus was. It, was. it was a man, it was a body, it was a human being like you and I, and yet he had the Spirit of God within him, which was a place of communion with God. There was this communion that Jesus had with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, and, uh, and in that relationship, uh, the Holy Spirit coming out of him and out through him, we see the miracles Jesus performed, and we see the message being proclaimed, and we see the world being changed, and also that disciples are raised up. And so we, church, must get to that place now. We must be like Jesus was, and as he 
has asked us to be since he uh, told the disciples to wait for that Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to be uh, uh, filled uh, inside them, just as the Holy Spirit was filled in him during his ministry, and that has continued until this day. We must be filled with the Spirit of God, and we must be focused on the kingdom of God, and we must spend our time uh, giving ourselves fully to the Lord right now so that uh, when we come down out of that place, that, that secret place, that hidden place, that time with Him, out of our mouth will flow the Word of God and flow uh, 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 a, a river of, of not just information and words and rhetoric, but it's heart to heart. It cuts to the heart of the world around us. And that's what I want to just continue. That was last week's sermon. And I want to just get right into today's sermon. And, and I have a title. I don't always have a title uh, many times until I'm done preaching. I'll just put the date above what above my notes, what I've written, and uh, a title comes to me as as I finish preaching. But today I have a title, something that the Lord, I believe, put in my spirit this week that I've been thinking about, and it's this phrase, many of you know it, it's hindsight is 2020. Now, there's all kinds of memes and jokes about 2020 that have uh, already been uh, you know, maybe you've already gotten sick of it because it's month five and we've heard about 2020. We heard about clear vision, you know, 2020 vision. This is the year of clear vision. This is the year of vision, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you've heard it and you've heard them all and you've heard it from Christians. You've heard it from pastors. You've heard it from the world as well. 2020, clear vision, the year of vision. And and yet um, we, we entered into a world that I don't think anybody could uh, have seen, which is ironic. So I just want to talk to you about hindsight is 2020. And really, this is a different way of seeing. And again, if you've been following along in the podcast, we're just continuing right along. We're just getting deeper into what God has really been saying in this season. And that is that really uh, His perspective is outside of time. God's perspective is outside of space. God is looking above the circle of the earth. He is he is looking outside of uh, 2020. He is looking from uh, not just outside of 2020, but outside of the 20th century and, and the 21st century. And he's looking outside of this um, reality that we have. And he is coming uh, to us uh, when he came through Christ. He came outside of that place into our world and they didn't understand him until things became clear. They did not understand Jesus. Even the disciples did not fully understand who Jesus was and what he was doing on the earth. And we do not know what God is doing either. We have been given a mandate to preach the gospel, 
To love God and to love people, just to sum it up so, so, so simply. Some people don't like summing it up that simple, but really that's just what it is. That's what this life is, to love God with all our soul, our strength, our mind, our heart, everything. Give Him everything and to love each other, to love this world around us. And and by loving God and loving each other, out of our heart, uh, in that place of, of love for God and for people is going to come love. It's going to come the gospel of peace and of joy and of hope and of life out of our mouth. And that is the place that we must get to as his church. But uh, uh, during the unknowns of our lives, and they come, uh, it's hard sometimes for us to just focus on the mandate because we want to focus on what is going on in my life right now and, and, and how can I get out of this situation in my life right now or um, how can I get to the next place? What do I have to do to get to the next place in my life? What do I have to accomplish? Um, what has to be done? What hard work has to be done uh, if possible or if needed to get to that next place in my life? Let me get through this so I can get to there. And it's not a Christian saying, it's a worldly saying, but I think it's so valid to be said uh, in, this, in, in, in this moment, and it's that life is the moment you're living in. Life is right now. We are given so little time. Our life is a vapor. It's just a breath of air, and it's gone. It's done. And we must live it to the fullest right here and right now. And so... And, and if we look at this world and we look at our lives and we look at the, the life we have been given and we look at it from God's perspective, we will focus on that mandate uh, of preaching the gospel out of a place of preparation, out of a place of spending time with him, letting him do work inside of us. We will focus on that mandate of being the light and the salt of this earth um, much sharper and much will be much more focused than if we are constantly trying to get through a situation or understand a situation. Um, no matter what it is in your life, you if you will if you will give into it, into your emotions and into uh, you know what you think and your feel and your plans and your dreams, the devil will try to use those things to manipulate you to never, ever do anything for God. There will never, ever be time to pray. Haven't you found that that is true? There's never time to read his word. There's never time to gather with other believers if you focus on uh, the moment in your life to get to that next moment. You know, if we do this, then we can become this. If I can graduate from here, then I can get this degree and I can make this money, but it never ends. Who has found in your life that it never ends, that there's always something? It just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And so we must be different. The church must be different. We must be uh, looking at this earth and living a life that is um, outside of time and space, just as God is. And uh, much of what we do not understand in the moments we're living in that we're just trying to get through so we can get to the next one is, um, is so uh, uh, clear after the fact, hindsight being twenty twenty. 
After the fact, we say, man, I really should have used this time for this. I really shouldn't have wasted so much time with that because it really didn't matter in the end. After all that I've done and, and all the hard work and I accomplished this particular goal, but really did it matter in the scheme of things? And, uh, and, and I, as I'm thinking about this, I think about uh, the character of Job. And if you've been reading with us in our Bible plan, we just went through Job not too long ago. And this is interesting. God lets them, they go on for 37 chapters, reasoning and trying to figure out the problems in Job's life. They're trying to figure out the problems and they're trying to figure out a solution. They want to know what's happening and, and how can it be fixed. This is what you did and this is how you need to get out of it. But something much bigger was happening behind the scenes. In fact, Job um, is a really amazing story. Uh, it's hard to read some, sometimes, but when we just read it, I really enjoyed it because I saw how we in our minds, we reason and we're always trying to figure everything out, but there's so much we just don't understand. And really, that's what Job is about. And there was a supernatural fight actually going on over Job. Uh, Satan wanted Job to curse God. And he was convinced that if he could push Job hard enough, that he could get Job to just curse God. That he only was thankful to God because everything was good in his life. And isn't that interesting? Because who has lived a life where everything was always good all the time? Uh, nobody out there. But... Uh, many times, uh, it's not that Satan is going before God like he did for Job and, and asking the question like he did for Job, but many times the situations around your life or the things that are happening in your life um, are there to, um, to teach us more about who God is than just, and, and, and not just that, but and to uh, have God use the moment in the situation as we're learning about God and, and who he is, but also that something like comes out of us in those moments, uh, a ministry comes out of you in that time when you're dealing with things and you don't curse God and you just keep trusting in God and keep trusting in him and keep trusting in him, even though you don't understand. Uh, if you have been in that time and you, and you were the guy or the girl that trusted God during um, you can testify with me that you were shocked out of what comes out of your mouth, out of, uh, out of you this, this truth and this life comes out of you and you're able to minister to somebody. And I think that life is so much more about moment to moment to moment to moment than just trying to get through seasons to get, through the, get to the next that if we would embrace every single day, even Paul said it, you know, I've been, I've, I've learned to have a lot and I've learned to have a little. And that's how life is. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard, but if we can embrace every single moment and we trust God steadily, we're not moved, we're stable. In fact, I have so many verses here, but um, uh, I have too many verses. So uh, Hebrews, you know, tells us that that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. 
we know that in Corinthians chapter 15, it tells us to be immovable. All right, so we're meant to be a stable, steady person, a stable people, people that trust in God steadily, uh, day by day, moment by moment. And um, I just want to uh, look at these verses here in Job. This is what happens. Uh, God was going to show Satan that man can trust in God no matter what comes his way and not curse him, but just continue to trust him. And there's definitely some confusion. Job is confused. Job does not understand what's happening and certainly neither does Job's friends. And finally, in chapter 38, God speaks. God waited 37 chapters. Obviously, they're not chapters here. Uh, God it wasn't counting down the chapters, but just the immensity of, of speaking and thinking going on before he responds. And finally, in 38 and in, in chapter 42... He gives some criticisms to them and, and, and some adjustments. And he says in Job chapter 38, verse 1, uh, The Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant, ignorant words? Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? words. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be the guy uh, standing there and God starts to speak and you hear those words. Uh, I've heard them maybe not in words many, many times knowing, wow, Lord, I'm, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. I've heard it in my spirit, but uh, uh, this would have been a very intimidating moment here when God says this. And in Job chapter 40, and he goes through the whole chapter, just starts telling him things that he just doesn't understand. Were you here then? Do you understand this? And in Job chapter 40, verse 2, he says, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? You're a critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, and this is really the reply we all must give to God. I am nothing. He says, I'm vile in some translations. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. In chapter 42, verse 1, Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. Uh, you asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It, it is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about. I thought I knew, but I didn't know. I thought I understood this situation, but I didn't. Because I was looking at it with a human point of view. I was even taking your word and I even took the promises of your word and took the truth of your word. And if you love God and trust God, God blesses you. And so when things went backwards and went the other way, I got confused, he's basically saying. And I didn't understand how could these bad things happen 
<laughs> right now when I'm trusting you and I haven't cursed you. And so he goes on to say um, that uh, you have said, he says that, uh, I'm sorry, he says, I knew nothing about things far too wonderful for me. They're beyond me. They're far too wonderful for me to understand. And he said, you said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you. This is God speaking again, and you must answer them. And he said, I've, and then um, uh, he was just quoting God there. And in verse five, he says, I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. And after the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. Actually, in the New King James, he says, my wrath is aroused against you. God's wrath was aroused against him. In fact, Job had to make an offering to God to appease God's wrath for his friends. And so when I read these chapters of Job and we come to this final conclusion here, what we find out is, is that, um, and, and I say this so often as a preacher, but it will, I don't think it's ever going to be out of my uh, Christianese, my language. And it's that God is God and, and, and he doesn't need our help to be God. He was always God. He will always be God. And Jesus stepped into human form and he died for us. But he did that only for us. He was already God. He was already ruling and reigning. He was already in that place with God. Because we can read that. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. So even before, Jesus was there. So God is God. And God can do whatever he wants. He could be who he wants, he can say what he wants, and he can do with his creation what he wants. He's very kind, and he's very merciful, and his grace was so great that he let Jesus, he sent Jesus rather, not just let him, but sent him on purpose to die for you and I. So even though he could be whoever he wants, he is a gracious, kind, and merciful God. We must know that. I have to remind you and encourage you about that again. If you have forgotten that God is merciful and gracious, maybe that's for you out there. Uh, you, you need to hear it from me today fresh. God loves you. He cares for you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. He has not forgotten you. He knows what he's doing. And there are things that we cannot possibly understand and even if he wanted to tell us about them, and he tells us many things, and his word is filled with so much truth, but if he wanted to tell us detail by detail about every moment of every day, and, and, and so we understood it all and could see it all, uh, we wouldn't be able to in our human mind. In our natural capacity, we don't have the capability of understanding what God is up to and who he is and what he's doing. And we would protest. Come on, all of you out there, listen. Every one of us would protest every step of the way. If God told us what he was doing and why he was doing it, we would protest against God every step of the way. We would never 
stand by and just say, okay, God, yes, you can afflict me and, and you can take everything away from me so that we can see if I'll curse you or not. We would never agree to that. We would just say, Lord, it's true. I won't. I promise I won't. I promise. I promise. I promise. I'm not going to curse you. And yet, so we just don't understand what God is doing. There are so much happening behind the scenes, in the supernatural, in the secret, in, in the in that uh, hidden place. There's things that God is doing. He is pulling. Isn't it incredible how God is pulling things together? You know, when you have an experience in your life where you're just like, wow, God did this. And it's so incredible because the timing and the, the, the things that had to line up I mean, God can use any situation, any person, anything, anytime to any, and he puts it all together perfectly. Now we're looking at the imperfection because we're looking at it moment by moment or second by second, day by day right now. And you're just counting down the days, but you're looking out it from a skewed perspective. God is looking at a grander picture, a bigger picture. He's looking at the whole picture. You're looking at uh, the the one pers- the part, even the minuscule. We're talking like tiny microscopic compared to God's perspective picture of what is actually happening. And 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 so I you know there's this there's this theme that we find throughout the New Testament when we talk about wisdom we talk about a wisdom that is not worldly, it's not earthly, it's not human. Remember when Peter, right before uh, Jesus is crucified, um, they're spending some time together, and uh, the Last Supper is a part of that, and there's some there's some time with the disciples that Jesus is having with them, and, and he starts to actually tell them pretty directly what's going to happen to him, and Peter says... I'll never let that happen to you, Lord. And he says, Satan, get behind me. And I love how the NLT says it. He says, because you're thinking about these things from a human point of view, a human perspective. You don't know what you're talking about. What you are trying to stop is actually God's plan. And and he calls him Satan. It's actually, and that's kind of strong language, but it's actually satanic. It's It's not godly. When we uh, think in any wisdom, now listen, I want to be clear, in any wisdom other than God's perfect wisdom, anything, any perspective, it doesn't matter how good it sounds or seems, if it is not what God is, is doing or he has said, it is evil and satanic. Even if it's a good thing, it would sound like a good thing to rescue Jesus from the cross. I'll stop that from happening in its, in its words and in its, an, in its idea. It sounds uh, not only good, it sounds righteous. And yet it was satanic. Jesus calls him Satan. Actually deals, not he's not talking to Peter. He's talking right through Peter to Satan influencing him to speak those words. And so in the book of James, we have in chapter 3 a mention of this wisdom, and he talks about uh, two different types of wisdom in chapter 3, and you can read in 13, 14, all the way through um, 18. 
And it, what he says is that there is a, a, a jealous and a bitter and a selfish ambition. That's just human nature. And that's all humans without Jesus Christ. We are all pitting and pushing and pulling and doing to get somewhere. And, and they have this and I need that and etc. And he says that that is not God's kind of wisdom in verse 15. In fact, he says this wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, it's demonic, it's unspiritual. It's, it's not God's wisdom. There is a wisdom of this world, and then there is a wisdom that God gives us. And God's wisdom does not mean that you know everything that is happening every moment of every day. In fact, all the wise Christians out there, those who truly know God, if you have truly received God's wisdom, what you have discovered is that the more wisdom you receive from God, the more you realize that you know nothing, that you only know what God has shown you, and that every time that you thought you knew something, uh, it didn't take long uh, before, well, maybe it did, maybe it took 20 years, but it seems like nothing, right? When you've lived 20 years and then all of a sudden it's done. But suddenly you realize that what you thought you knew, you did not know. That it was human. Sometimes we don't, just because we have God's wisdom and, and that God gives us wisdom doesn't mean that we're always walking in it. Now we should, and that's really what I want to uh, make a point about today is that there is a wisdom from God that we must rely on. We must not have a wisdom that is worldly, that is like the world. A wisdom that, you know, it it's, doesn't even sound demonic, but that is trying to figure everything out every time something happens in your life. Because what happens is, is that sensual, that demonic wisdom, what it does is it will look at a situation and somebody just told me an amazing testimony. I mean, I was just so blown away by this testimony. They uh, looked at the situation with human wisdom, which just to be bluntly is is not from above. It calls it just not only sensual, or that's our senses, like I was preaching on the last few weeks, uh, but it is even demonic. And because it causes us to, um, ultimately what it causes us to do is not trust God because we start trying to reason and think and figure it all out. And what we're doing is actually um, trying to bypass God's plan and God's wisdom. We don't even realize in this particular uh, testimony, this person was kind of in that place and they were trying to figure it out and they didn't know what to do. And uh, finally, they just just surrender it all. They trust God. I mean, just completely trusted God. And the situation, it, it didn't change for the better. It got worse in the natural. It, it appeared as everything now was even worse. And like, okay, God, where are you? I'm trusting you. Are you going to come through for me? And it didn't seem like God was coming through for him. It seemed like, uh, okay, you know, I did what I need to do because this was the right decision, but I don't see God helping me right now. 
in, in any particular way, maybe in a general way, there was still protection, there was safety. I mean, they were still healthy in, in, in those things. But, you know, this particular situation did not change. In the general sense, God was still being God. But uh, that situation, they just had to keep giving it to God, giving it to God, and giving it to God. And finally, after maybe now six, nine months later, uh, the, the miracle comes out. The life the, of, of the, you know, just like a baby that's growing in the womb. Finally, it's, you know, it's painful. It's uncomfortable. And there's all kinds of you know, annoyances to that time. It's, it's fun at first and it's, you know, uh, it's like, uh, it's miraculous at first. And then every woman hits that point where I just, I'm done with this and I don't want this anymore. And then this baby arrives and the miracle is there. And that's what happened. God did something so supernatural and so miraculous that you could never even understand from the beginning. If you had tried to figure it out and tried to understand it, you can't even try to make happen what happened in God's way and in God's timing. God, and I mentioned this around Easter, is he had a plan with Jesus and the resurrection and the cross. And God is still doing that. He's still working out his plan. I want you to be encouraged out there that God has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten this nation and he has not suddenly forgotten his world. He understands what we're going through at every step of the way. And there is an opportunity. This is what we see when we read God's word and what we can actually get as Christians today that is still applicable to us right here and now. And it's this, that uh, good times come and bad times come. We call them in Christianity, we call them mountains high and valleys low, right? You know, there's, there's these amazing times with God, and then there's times where we go through the valley of the shadow of death. But God is always with us. He's the good shepherd. He's still there with us. He does not leave us, and he doesn't forsake us. And if you have been a Christian for some time, you have walked through valleys, and you said, man, I don't know how God's going to get me through this one. And you are shocked, but God does it. And yet somehow, some, some way... We get into the next valley and we're, we say the same thing. I don't know how he's going to do it this time. But, you know, the more mature we get, and, uh, and, and Ephesians 4 talks about this maturity, this full stature of Christ that we're growing. See, we have to be growing. Ephesians 4 says that the church is building itself up. There's this growing that's coming to hit this full stature of Christ, this perfection, this perfect man. And during that process, we're making mistakes, things are happening, we don't understand, but ultimately we're growing, we're learning from each situation, and then as we get more mature, we end up going into those situations saying something more like this, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. That's what ends up happening. God, I don't know how you're going to do it this time, but I, I trust you because I've seen you do it before. In the beginning, it's like, I don't know how, and you're shocked, and then you're shocked, and then we're still shocked, but we know, we're expectant because our faith is building, our faith is growing. And God will use every single thing you go through as an opportunity for your faith to grow. Every single day is a chance to know him more and simultaneously to reflect the light of God that is in us from him 
out of us, that the spirit of God that is in us from him can come out of us. We have a chance to do that every single day. And that needs to be our focus. Hindsight is 2020. One day, and I mentioned this about a month ago in my sermon, one day we're going to look back and we are going to wish with everything in us that we gave God even more, that we trusted God even more, that we opened our mouth even more, that we wish, we we're going to wish that we had just really focused on the things that mattered and we did not look at all these things that do not matter, that we would focus on the kingdom of God, on knowing God and on his word and preaching that word to this lost world around us. And so uh, God uh, is giving us wisdom. God is giving us a wisdom from above as Christians. But I want to be clear about this, that the wisdom from God that comes to us from knowing Christ, this wisdom that God gives us, okay, is is being given supernaturally by receiving the Holy Spirit. It is one of the fruits of the Spirit is wisdom, wisdom and understanding, okay, is one of the elements, uh, it's the, or that's the wrong word, but it's one of the facets. I don't know what the right word is, except just the fruit, like the word says, it's the fruit of the Spirit, but it is one of his, it's his part of his character. It's part of the Holy Spirit's nature. So you have received his nature. You've received the Holy Spirit and wisdom is a part of him. So now it's a part of you. But uh, we must not uh, think that we are uh, trying to use God's wisdom and, and, and to constantly be trying to see what's happening and understand what's happening. Just because we've been given a wisdom from God does not mean that you will know the entire picture. I want to be clear about this. If you focus on what really matters on the mandate, it won't matter to you. You're going to look at every situation in your life, every single thing that comes, every single day that you have, you're going to look, if we keep our focus on Christ, if we keep our focus on the kingdom of God, you will have a wisdom from God. But it will not seek to understand everything. It will, you will be given understanding, be given wisdom sometimes, and I think this is actually most of the time, uh, situation by situation. You're not going to be given wisdom to understand your entire life from beginning to end. You're going to get glimpses and parts and pieces, and I... Uh, want to encourage you, you're, you're not crazy and you're not, uh, it doesn't mean that you're an immature Christian. If you are growing in Christ, seeking after him, seeking to know him, you're in his word, you're spending time with him, you're spending time with other believers, you're pushing aside Facebook and you're pushing aside the news and you're pushing aside your own interests and your own plans to seek God and to seek his plan. If that's you, then you are maturing, you are growing, and maybe you're wondering, how come I don't know what's happening right now? And it doesn't mean you don't have the Spirit of the Lord, and it doesn't mean that you don't have His wisdom. God gives us wisdom, but God's wisdom 
does not mean you will understand every little tiny thing about the entire universe right now. Does not mean you will understand every little tiny thing about the situation that you're in. Situationally, he'll start exposing little bit by little bit by little bit. I have found in my own life, this is me personally, so I'm just speaking for me, but I have found, and much like my friend's testimony, that only after the fact can I fully look back and see God's plan. Suddenly, the vision just becomes so clear. I could see glimpses. I could see pieces. I knew that God was going to be faithful, but I did not understand, and it is not for us to focus. We are not called to focus on trying to uh, understand everything about God and everything about His plan and universe and, and how He's working behind the scenes. That is fine. I love thinking and meditating at times on the grandness and the greatness of God and and maybe what's unfolding and what this means and that means, but that cannot be our focus. Maybe a particular person is called to do some more digging deeper, but for the everyday Christian, our mandate was the same. And it is to to love God, to know God, and to be preaching that good news of God, as we talked about last week. That's it. And if you get stuck, you're going to get stuck. I promise you, not if you're going to get stuck. I promise you will get stuck if you are trying to understand every single little thing And it does not mean you do not have wisdom from God. The wisdom of God is this. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Our knowledge, verse 9, is partial and incomplete. It says even the gift of prophecy only reveals part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes... These partial things will become useless. Now we see things, verse 12, imperfectly. Right now, now we, now, this time, right now, things are imperfect. They're like puzzling reflections in a mirror. All right, so we can see glimpses. Right now, all of us, we all know that God If you are listening out there and you are a believer and you are a mature believer and you are trusting in God and you are stable and you are steady and you're not easily moved, you're just, you're like what James talks about. You have put your faith in God and uh, and when you ask God for wisdom, you are not moved. You ask the Lord and you just stay there and you stay planted and God's going to unravel and reveal how he wants to unravel and reveal. He's going to do it in his way. And it may take a lifetime to fully understand what that moment was about, what this moment's about. It may take an entire lifetime and that even though that he will answer that prayer, you may not even get the picture, the answer in this lifetime. Only outside of this life in eternity will we understand what even our life was about. How many have gone before us Right? How many paved the way? How many saints 
pave the way for you and I right now to be believers today, to be reading the word and to, to, I have this huge Bible. I mean, just this, this enormous book about my God and about his faithfulness and his goodness and about his love and his grace and his mercy and all the stories of the characters that encountered this God that I know and you know. And all those saints that paved the way, they couldn't possibly understand how important it was, except that they knew that that was what God gave them to do, to pen these stories down and to um, just preserve them. Because one day they were going to be put together and compiled into one book and it was going to be sent around the world into every single corner, every nation of the world and almost every single language. Every language I believe to this day. If not, there's a close translation. Somebody's out there translating it to someone. Uh, that's incredible. And, and yet, if you had to, were to ask them back then, they would know that God was faithful. They knew that God would be God, but they couldn't possibly understand how it was going to unravel and what it meant. So, so much is impartial. We only have a small piece we must just stay faithful to what God has given us to do right now, which is it's situation free. It doesn't matter what you're facing, what you're going through. Let God do that. We have a saying, let God be God. Just let him be God. I know it's so hard for us and it's hard for us to even understand what that means sometimes because, you know, we have abilities and we have strengths and all these things and we're always trying to to uh, get to a particular place in our lives. That's just human nature. So to let God be God is so strange to human beings. And yet it was uh, always what God wanted. We just got off. We got weird. We got into sin and thank Jesus Christ for his blood and his mercy and his grace that got us back. But now we're in this place with God where if we trust in him and we lean upon him and we look to him and we just keep walking with him and keep trusting in him, uh, God's going to do something so supernatural in our lives and through our lives. And we're only going to understand it fully when it's done. I want you to get this right now. Do not waste your time. Do not spend endless amounts of time trying to understand everything because when they did that in the book of Job, God doesn't answer one of their questions. He just gives them his own questions. Okay, you know, you think this and you think that and you think this, but I've got some of my questions for you. Do you understand who I am, that I'm God? And that I know what I'm doing? And if we look at the particular story there in Job, you know, it's kind of horrifying, humanly speaking, what Job had to go through, horrifying. And God allowed it, which is so strange to our human minds to try to comprehend. And yet, uh, outside of our human wisdom and comprehension, our human understanding, God knew what he was doing and blesses him richly, and he lives a long life after that time. And it's not a story that we would wish for any of us or anybody, and yet uh, it's right there in our word, and it gives us a picture of who God is. And so back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what we need to understand is that right now we're looking at things like a puzzling reflection in a mirror. But it says, but then we will see everything. So now and then, everybody, if you're out there listening, I want you just to say this out loud, now and then. Maybe you're in a public place, maybe you're riding a train and 
you got your earbuds in and you can't, but you can say it in your say it in your mind. Now and then. Right now we don't understand, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Just remember this. I want to encourage you out there. I just feel like the church needs to be encouraged because I don't think we understand. And I think everybody's trying to always figure stuff out and and we don't understand what God is doing. And I'm not preaching to you today to tell you this is what God's doing. That's not me because I don't believe that that's the answer. I believe that we real faith is just trusting in God even though you don't know what God is doing. That's the epitome of faith. That's truly that what of what that's truly what faith is. Sorry. And so he says, "All that I know now." This is 1 Corinthians 13, the rest of verse 12. "All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then, as in when it's all finished and I cross to the other side, Then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Isn't that amazing? I love God's word. God's word is so powerful. God knows me completely. He doesn't need to see what I do, and he doesn't need to quiz me, and and he doesn't, he's not curious to see if he pokes me, what's going to happen, and he's not confused by how I react. He knows me completely. I don't know me completely. And he is working out a plan in my life. And this is what he's doing for each of us. Sometimes we just, we want to get out of a situation so bad. And yet what we're dealing with is actually going to help us. I know that's shocking. But how many times for the mature believers out there that you can testify to this, were you going through something that you just wish would end, but after the fact you were so thankful for what God did in that time because he got some junk out of you. The faith that you thought you had really wasn't faith. There was a lot of doubt mixed in there. But then now this new faith, this strong faith developed. It grew. It became uh, a part of you because of that time. And suddenly, you know, hindsight, you can look back and see and say, wow, God, thank you. I know for a fact I know because I believe God's word that you are going to look back at the moments in your life and see God's hand working because I have, first of all, I have seen it in his word and I have also seen it in my own life that he never fails us. He never forsakes us every single time, somehow, some way he is pulling it all together for this amazing miracle in the end. And I don't want to waste any time. I don't want to waste my breath. I don't want to waste uh, more of my uh, thinking and, and, and debating and, and analyzing on, on uh, trying to understand every little thing. But I have a supernatural wisdom that is not given to me to uh, debate God and to break down the society, break down my time, what I'm dealing with or whatever it is, but it's given to me so that I speak the right words at the right times. It's the wisdom of God is given to me so that, not so that you at night know what what uh, numbers to play in the lotto the next day, okay? You don't have some sort of psychic you know, a human demonic ability. That's not wisdom from God. Wisdom from God is telling you to trust him, 
to lean upon him. That's the wisdom from God. And to go here now, go to this place, talk to that person, and it kind of just is unfolding before you. You don't even realize that it was God. And, and so it's not you in your own wisdom thinking, man, I really have God's wisdom. There's no pride in it because it's unfolding in a way that you couldn't even plan. You didn't even know that God told you to go here and talk to that person many times. Sometimes you know that. Sometimes people do feel like I need to call that person and talk to them. But many times we end up in this place. There was this supernatural wisdom guiding us to uh, protect us. To, uh, to bring a blessing into our lives or to bring a word to someone who needs it. And so I hope you're encouraged out there. I hope that uh, you are still just trusting God, holding on to God in this time. Um, God is so faithful. He's so, so incredibly faithful. He loves us so much. He has a plan and a purpose for us. And I just want to... Um, I encourage you that right now, just lean on him fully. Just give it all to him fully. Just keep emptying yourself right now. Just keep seeking him. Keep praying. Just keep asking God for his will to be done on the earth. Keep asking God for his plan and purpose to be done. And just keep bringing the request in your heart to him. Just keep bringing him the issues that you're dealing with. And then when you bring it to him, just let it go. Lord, I don't understand I don't know what you're doing, but I just keep trusting in you. I don't understand, but I trust you anyway. I don't understand, but I trust you anyway. And we're going to look, I'm telling you, talk about 2020, talk about clear vision. Uh, You're going to look back and you're going to see clearly how God was in the whole thing, that God was working something out. God was doing something that only hindsight is going to show you. I promise you, you are not going to get the whole picture now, and it's fine uh, that uh, you have pieces and parts, because that's what the Word tells us, uh, that it, that's fine that you have some glimpses right now. Uh, in fact, I want as many glimpses as possible, so I'm not saying that you can't know, but in the end, you're going to fully know. You're going to be able to look back and see, wow, God, you really did something miraculous and something amazing. So our part is just to trust in Him like you never have before. I'm talking uh, about a type of faith and a type of trust that is so empty of yourself and your plans and your desires and your will. Just a heart that is after God and a heart that wants to see God move in your uh, family, a heart that wants to see God move in your community and change the situations, not just in your own personal life, but around you, the, the people around you that are dealing with things that the devil's got them trapped and got them confused. And just begin to pray, begin to seek God, and you're going to see him come through. But you may not see him for some time. Don't think that he's not working. He's doing it. And, and in the end, that 2020 vision is going to be there, even though right now you might have like, you know, uh, blurry, uh, mostly blind vision. All right. So I encourage you uh, just to love him, trust him. I bless you, and we're still praying for you guys, all of you. We pray for you all the time. We love you, and uh, hopefully we're going to see you really, really soon.